Hi, this is Cody Daigle-Oriens. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you about our next The Queer Read. And we're going to start doing these bi-monthly uh, to give more people in our listening audience time to pick up the book and read. So The Queer Read for April will be Stuck Rubber Baby by Howard Cruz. Now, Stuck Rubber Baby is a graphic novel, so we're sticking with that format. But this time, we'll be digging into a very powerful story of one young man's journey to accept his homosexuality during the civil rights movement of the 1960s. A Stuck Rubber Baby is a gorgeous graphic novel, and it's one of my favorite books. It's very smart, it's emotionally sensitive, and it explores the issues of race, sexuality, and community in really insightful and powerful ways. So... Head on over to Amazon, grab your copy of Stuck Rubber Baby by Howard Cruz, and look forward to the Queer Read episode that'll be taking place at the end of April. Now, we'll be interviewing Howard for that episode about the book, so it's definitely something to look forward to. This week on the podcast, we're going to be starting with Chimamanda Adeshe and the very controversial statements she made recently about trans women during an interview on Britain's Channel 4. Let's start with those comments. When people talk about, you know, are trans women women, my feeling is trans women are trans women. Um, I think that if, I think the whole problem of, of gender in the world is about our experiences. It's not about how we wear our hair or whether we have a vagina or a penis. It's about the way the world treats us. And I think if you've, been, if you've lived in the world as a man, with the privileges that the world accords to men, and then um, sort of change, switch gender. It's difficult for me to accept that then we can equate your experience with the experience of a woman who has lived from the beginning in the world as a woman and who has not been accorded those privileges that, that men are. And so I think there has to be, um, and, and this is not, of course, to say, this is, uh, I'm saying this also with sort of a certainty that transgendered people should be allowed to be. Right, but I think it's, I don't think it's a good thing to conflate everything into one. I don't think it's a good thing to talk about women's issues being exactly the same as the issues of trans women, because I don't think that's true. Adashi's comments sparked a flurry of debate, and she was accused of reducing trans female experience to some long-held transphobic tropes. It was a surprise to many from a writer who's been such an outspoken and celebrated feminist. And one of my favorite responses to Adeshe's comments came from Morgan M. Page, a trans artist, writer, and activist living in Montreal. Now, Morgan also has a podcast called One from the Vaults, which explores important stories in trans history. You should definitely check it out. It's fantastic. And she wrote an opinion piece in the Globe and Mail called Ms. Adeshe, There's No Single Story About Trans Women. Now, here's a little bit from that piece. Quote, Adeshe is telling a single story about trans women, that before our transitions, we lived our lives accepted as men and moved through the world with male privilege. Many trans women bristle at this tired narrative, both because it is used to delegitimize our womanhood and because, for many of us, it simply isn't true. My experiences of gendered and sexual socialization don't match those of the men that I know who are cisgendered, including my own brother. I was bullied and ostracized for my femininity, to the point of having to change schools twice and eventually dropping out at age 16. It's difficult to reconcile the concept of male privilege with my experience because the violence I was subjected to came as a direct result of not being considered male. 
While not all trans women have the early transition experience I had, and having it doesn't make me any more valid woman than those who transition later in life or in different ways, my experiences do illuminate how Adishay's single story about trans women holding male privilege simply does not reflect the vast diversity of trans lives. End quote. The single story that Paige refers to in her piece is a phrase from Adishay herself in a powerful TED Talk that went viral. Delivered at the conference in 2009, Adishay's The Danger of a Single Story explored the problem with not seeing any individual's or community's experience as a complex and multifaceted thing. Here's a bit from that TED Talk. Years later, I thought about this when I left Nigeria to go to university in the United States. I was 19. My American roommate was shocked by me. She asked where I had learned to speak English so well and was confused when I said that Nigeria happened to have English as its official language. She asked if she could listen to what she called my tribal music and was consequently very disappointed when I produced my tape of Mariah Carey. (laughs) She assumed that I did not know how to use a stove. What struck me was this. She had felt sorry for me even before she saw me. Her default position toward me as an African was a kind of patronizing, well-meaning pity. My roommate had a single story of Africa, a single story of catastrophe. In this single story, there was no possibility of Africans being similar to her in any way, no possibility of feelings more complex than pity, no possibility of a connection as human equals. It is impossible to talk about the single story without talking about power. There is a word, an Igbo word, that I think about whenever I think about the power structures of the world, and it is nkale. It's a noun that loosely translates to to be greater than another. Like our economic and political worlds, stories too are defined by the principle of Nkali. How they are told, who tells them, when they are told, how many stories are told, are really dependent on power. Power is the ability not just to tell the story of another person, but to make it the definitive story of that person. The Palestinian poet Murid Baghouti writes that if you want to dispossess a people, the simplest way to do it is to tell their story and to start with secondly. Start the story with the arrows of the Native Americans and not with the arrival of the British, and you have an entirely different story. Start the story with the failure of the African state and not with the colonial creation of the African state, and you have an entirely different story. is a trans activist, writer, and YouTube vlogger who has explored trans experience for over 10 years online. And she, like Morgan Page, stands in stark contrast to the single story of trans women that Adishay alluded to in her Channel 4 interview. Now, Black is one of my favorite YouTube activists, and her response to Adishay's comments redraws the line between cis and trans women experiences. 
Here's Black from her response video. I was a little androgynous kid who today only ever knows an adulthood as a woman. This is where cis people rush to refute my lived experiences. I can already hear the clicking and the clacking of keyboard keys as cis people rush to the comment section to tell me that I'm not really a woman, but a man. Hell, they might even want to tell me that I look mannish and that my hair and my makeup don't validate my gender. There was a time when these same sentiments echoed in my own head where I wanted to draw a distinct line between my experiences and the experiences of cis women. In my opinion, trans women and cis women do deal with different things. Cis women never had to deal with the very fundamental thing most trans people have to deal with, uprooting their entire lives because of a decision made about them at birth. Cis women don't have to deal with the oppression that trans women deal with. And equally, many trans women don't have to deal with the oppression cis women have had to deal with because of their biology. There are differences, but in my personal experience, our differences are slight in comparison to our similarities. I spent a lot of time trying to separate my experiences from cis women's experiences. And at a certain point, I realized that a lot of the things that I dealt with weren't about my transness. They were about my femaleness. Despite what any anonymous troll has to say in the comment section of this video, I've been warmly accepted as a woman my entire adult life. It's the only experience I truly know. It's the only way that I've ever been seen. In the same response video, Black also makes a really terrific point about the problem of the question in the first place and the tricky situation allies are often in when discussing marginalized experiences. If I'm being honest, what bothers me is that the question was asked in general. I mean, two cis women and their cis opinions about trans lives, they're bound to lack nuance, generalize experiences, and not fully understand what they're discussing. It comes with the territory. As an aside though, I also feel like cis women should be able to discuss their experiences as their own without being pressured to include into their narrative an experience that they don't have. However, at the same time, as they don't have those experiences, I wish that they would not try to speak for us. Chiamanda Adiche is great on so many things. Some of the things that she said have inspired me and my views as a black feminist. But if that situation proves anything, it proves that these ideologues that we look up to and idolize are not perfect, and we're not going to always agree with them. So how do we avoid perpetuating a single story about trans lives? Well, part of that begins with examining our own experience of gender and locating the places in our own gender experience that subvert norms or place us outside the box. We have to recognize the single story that defines our experiences with gender. Annalise Singh is a social researcher who specializes in trans experience, and although she is cisgender, she advocates for cis participation in trans liberation. In a TEDx talk she delivered in 2015 at Georgia State University, Singh addresses some of the single stories we tell culturally about gender. Think about your own gender for a moment. Who told you you were a boy or a girl? Who taught you the unspoken rules about how to perform that gender? And what happened when you stepped out of that tiny gender box? You know, for the women in the room, we're taught what? We can't be thin enough and we certainly can't be beautiful enough. Even the fashion models on the billboards report hating their bodies. And if we're in the workplace and we're too assertive or we stand up for ourselves too much, we're called what? A bitch. And if we get too emotional 
in ho at home with our family or at work were labeled as hysterical. And for the men in the room, you get it too. You can't get emotional at all, can you? You can't cry. Why? Because these things are signs of weakness. And you've got to toughen up for this world as a man. You've got to achieve a certain level of success and be a strong provider. So in all actuality, these gender boxes, they kind of beat us all up, right? Singh reminds us that it's not up to trans people alone to change the single stories we tell about them and about gender as a whole. It's really up to cisgender people as well. We have an important stake in rethinking and redefining the ways we see and govern gender expression. Here's more from Singh. You know, last December, a 17-year-old trans girl named Leela Alcorn, she committed suicide by walking out into oncoming traffic. She was hit and killed by a tractor trailer. Her suicide note read, my death needs to be counted in the number of transgender people that kill themselves this year. I want someone to look at that number and say, that's fucked up and fix it. Fix society. Please. You know, it doesn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. We can all change the lives of trans people for the better just by changing how we think and feel about our own gender. And when we make those changes, they have ripple effects into our communities and our worlds. But most importantly, because each of us actually does transgress gender every day, when we make those changes in how we think and feel about our own gender, we become more loving and compassionate, not only to other people, but we become more compassionate and loving to ourselves. And we become more compassionate and loving to that little kid inside of all of us that got so beat up around gender growing up. I was 18 years old when I first heard the word transgender. It was my first year of college, and I was taking a class called Introduction to Human Sexuality. As a part of that class, we watched a documentary that was called You Don't Know Dick. And that documentary featured a man named Jameson Green. Jameson Green was literally the first transgender man that I ever saw in my life. I'd grown up in a very, very small town in upstate New York, and if there were transgender people in that town, I didn't know about it. Jameson was the first person I ever heard to say the word transgender, and he was also the person who told me that my experiences were okay and that there were other people who were like me. That's Dr. Eli Green, a transgender activist and professor, in a TEDx Youth San Diego talk he delivered in 2016. In this talk, Green armed his audience with a five-point toolkit for being a better transgender ally. And the tools he puts forth are not only a way for each of us to avoid single stories about trans lives, but to also locate and dispel single stories about gender in all corners of our lives. Here's that toolkit from Dr. Eli Green. We need folks who are going to stand up and who are going to say, you know what, that's not okay. 
I'm not cool with that. I want to do something different. So I'm here to give you five specific things that you can do in your everyday lives. You don't have to travel around the country. You don't have to talk to people. You don't have to stand up on stage. You can just do this every day. And so these five things that I have for you. Number one, I want you to learn about transgender people's lives. And I want you to share what you learn. As a part of that, it's going to be really important that you also learn about things like racism, classism, sexism, and homophobia. Because all the things that transgender people face are also faced even more by transgender people of color, transgender people who are of low socioeconomic status, transgender people with different abilities. So part of what we need to do is we need to pull all these things together. We need to learn and we need to share that information with others. The next thing is to use affirming names and pronouns. And what that means, if somebody tells you that they want to be called a certain name and they want to be referred to as a girl or a boy, that you do that. You do whatever name and pronoun brings that person joy. Actually, one of the best things that you can do to be affirming for a transgender person is to say, hey, I see you. I respect you. I'm going to use the name and pronouns that are most respectful. The third thing is to be kind and to be friendly. Right? It sounds like a very small thing, but in a world in which people are consistently getting messages about how we are hated because we are transgender, if you smile, if you give a nice compliment, if you hold the door open for somebody, that can actually change somebody's entire day because you may have been the only person who was nice that day. And so that can have huge power on somebody's life. The next thing that I'm going to empower you to do is interrupt prejudice where you see it. If some of your friends, your family members, anybody in your community is making remarks that are prejudiced about transgender people, I want you to stand up and I want you to say, hey, that's not okay with me. Please don't ever say things around me like that. I really care about transgender people and that is hurtful and that is harmful. The fifth thing that I want you to do is I want you to look around your world and I want you to see where challenges might exist for transgender people. And I want you to advocate and try to take those challenges away. And by doing so, what you do is you take one place where a transgender person is not going to have to show up and fight that battle, right? So you do the work before they get there, so it's one less thing that they have to do. The only reason I'm able to stand on this stage today is because of people like Al and other allies who have stood up and who have said it's not okay for transgender people to be treated differently. I'm incredibly lucky. I get to live the life of my dreams, right? And that's something that I really wish for everyone. I wish for all of you in the room, but I wish for all transgender people. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is as a part of your own justice work and your own way of creating a more fair and equitable world is to stand up for transgender people and to make a difference. been listening to Bearded Fruit, politics and culture through an intersectional queer lens. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, head over to our website, beardedfruit.com, to get more info about this week's show and to check out some of our other web features, like our weekly Ask a Dad advice column or our Fruit Stands section, which gives you ways to bring the Bearded Fruit conversation into your community. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit and on Twitter at Bearded Fruit Pod. And if you have some feedback on this week's episode or questions to ask us or just want to share an idea for an upcoming episode, give us a call at 860-785-0633. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>